All right, everyone, you are locked on Falcons. I'm your host, Aaron Freeman, and today I am joined by guest Mark Schofield of Touchdown Wire at USA Today, and we're going to be digging deeper on this upcoming 2021 quarterback class and what the Falcons could or should do next April in regards to their quarterback future. You are locked on Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked On Falcons is presented by Pepsi, made for football watching. Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch. I personally am going to be watching from the safety of my couch on a 40-inch TV screen and Pepsi is the refreshment that you need to power through any game day because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi made for football watching. Go to made for football to check out the latest football watching content from Pepsi. So guys, you know me, I'm Aaron Freeman been covering the Falcons for many years. Currently on Twitter at Falcons, formerly at Falcons.com RIP still going strong on this daily Locked on Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And today I am joined by my illustrious guest, Mark Schofield of the Sco Show at Pat's Pulpit, the SB Nation website for the New England Patriots, formerly of Locked On Patriots. Still writing for Touchdown Wire, has written for great websites like Inside the Pylon, among many, many others in the past. And and Mark is our resident quarterback guru. When Mark says things about quarterbacks, I tend to listen. And Mark will be joining us today to talk about this 2021 upcoming quarterback class. We're going to be talking about Trevor Lawrence. We're going to be talking quite a bit about Justin Fields just because Ohio State and Big Ten football kicks off later this weekend. So you guys now have some appointment viewing for Saturday. Uh, we're going to talk about Trey Lance from North Dakota State. We're going to be uh, North Dakota State. We're going to be talking about the second tier of quarterbacks and maybe some guys from the SEC or the Big Ten or the or the ACC that may be emerging as potential day two or late round one options in case you're an NFL team, possibly like the Falcons, that may not be picking as high to get one of these big three as they're often called. And we're going to get into that conversation with Mark Schofield right now. So guys, you're locked on Falcons. Of course, I'm your host, Aaron Freeman, and I am joined by my illustrious guest, Mark Schofield, formerly of Locked On Patriots, currently doing his thing on the SCO show, part of the Pat's Pulpit Audio Network, the SB Nation site for the New England Patriots. He also writes for Touchdown Wire at the USA Today. And we're going to talk about some of these quarterback prospects. And it's been a while since Mark has been on the show. Last time he was on, he was talking about the upcoming, at that point in time, 2018 draft class. We talked about Baker Mayfield. We talked about Josh Rosen, Sam Darnold, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, and some guy by the name of, I think, Kurt Bankert. Um, and it's interesting the Falcons have had a fair share of players from that 2018 draft class roll through their building in the past year or so, including Bankert, Kyle Aletta, and the incomparable Danny Atling. And on today's podcast, we're going to be talking about the next wave of young quarterbacks that have a chance to come through the Falcons building 
in the very near future. But with all that being said, welcome back to the show, Mark. Aaron, it's great to be here. I didn't realize it's been that long. Yeah. It's been that long since we – wow. Yeah, we did cover a lot of names. Like you said, Kirk Banker, Danny Etlin, uh, of course, the guys at the top. That was an interesting class. This could be an interesting class too. Uh, we got a couple of games on some of these guys. We'll get to see Justin Fields coming up. So fun to talk about this group, but I'm just excited to be back with you, my friend. Yeah, you know, the, the main timing of having this episode this week is because Justin Fields is coming back. Big Ten football is coming back this weekend. And I do want to sort of dive into sort of the things in s- specific that you're hoping to see from Justin Fields. But we'll get to that later on the show. You, you talk about this being an interesting class. You know, it's been over 20 years since we've had quarterbacks go one, two, and three in the draft. Uh, that 99 class with the Donovan McNabb, Tim Couch, and, and Akili Smith. Uh, you know, do you feel like this group right now with the big three that everybody's now calling Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, and Trey Lance has a chance to, uh, you know, set history again? I think it's certainly possible. Now, a lot of it will be dependent on draft order and some moves that may or may not happen in terms of coaches getting fired, GMs getting fired. Um, But I think talent-wise, there's certain that potential. I think all three are top 10 type quarterbacks, and we all know quarterbacks get pushed up the board because of the positional value. But I do think if a team like, say, Cincinnati creeps into the top three, they're not drafting a quarterback. You know, They're going to draft probably Penny Sewell, the left tackle from Oregon, who I think people sort of assume to be people are coalescing around. He's the top left tackle, offensive tackle in the next class. So he'd probably break up that quarterback chain. But if you get three quarterback needy teams at the top, you might see guys go one, two, three, and those three names come off the board right at the start. That would not surprise me at all if you get quarterback needy teams at the top. Yeah, and the Falcons are rumored to be one of those teams, potentially uh, quarterback needy. Uh, and I, I do want to get your thoughts on sort of how you assess the Falcons' sort of need at that position from outside. But, um, you know, talking about this class with Lawrence, with Fields with Lance, it seems like the consensus seems to be that Trevor Lawrence is the clear-cut winner, uh, the clear-cut you know top prospect, and then it's really Fields and Lance sort of battling it out for the number two spot. It does seem like I've heard a lot of people say that they feel like Fields is right behind Trevor Lawrence. I feel like some people have Lance ahead of Fields. I'm just sort of curious your general thoughts on sort of how you would stack the board uh, so far based off what you've seen from those three guys. Yeah, Aaron, I do think that Trevor Lawrence is QB1 in this group, but I don't really see that change. And absent something big from Fields, you know, when that Big Ten season kicks off, I think when you watch Trevor Lawrence and his body of work over the past couple of seasons and the action we've seen from him so far, he's a complete quarterback prospect that can give you pretty much plug-and-play opportunities regardless of offensive system. Matt Waldron and I did a video breakdown of him this summer And after we were done raving about him for like 45 minutes or so, we started talking about potential scheme fits for him. And we saw him slotted into and being ready to start week one in almost every NFL offense, including Matt went as far to say you could drop him into Baltimore's offense. And he's athletic enough and as good as a runner and a ball carrier that he would be effective in Baltimore's offense in place of Lamar Jackson. Not that he's athletic as Jackson. Not that he's as dynamic as Jackson as a playmaker, but he could run that offense. He could run time and rhythm-based offenses like New England's with Tom Brady. He could run vertical passing systems like we've seen from Bruce Arians in the past. And so Lawrence is the complete quarterback prospect, and I don't really see that changing. After that, it's a bit of a question mark. I think there will, that might start to get a bit more team and scheme dependent. If you get a team that's looking to take a quarterback – 
that wants to be more of a San Francisco 49ers type of offense, ball control, play action, 12 personnel, 21 personnel, you might prefer Lance. I, I think Lance right now in that offense that he's run at North Dakota State for the past year in a game um, caters to that kind of system, and I think he can run that system well. If you want more of a spread RPO, air raid, West Coast mesh of concepts, then Justin Fields might be the guy that you would want running that offense. I think between the two players from a more trait-based analysis, Fields might have more upside. He might have the higher ceiling. Lance might have the safer floor uh, because of that schematic background that he brings. And so then it just becomes a matter of what are you more comfortable with at that point of the draft? Are you going to bet on the upside or are you going to take the safer play? And that might be Trey Lance. So that's going to be interesting to see shake out. I know we're going to talk more about Fields, but I do think over the next couple of weeks, he has a chance to really sort of perhaps separate himself from Lance and maybe even get close to Lawrence. Again, absent something uh, Burrow-esque, like we saw last year from Joe Burrow, I don't see Fields overcoming Lawrence. It could happen. I won't rule it out. um, But it would be a pretty big sort of development. And uh, I want to dig deeper on, on Justin Fields uh, and what he has to do this upcoming season as we continue today's Lockdown Falcons podcast with Mark Schofield. Before we continue on today's Lockdown Falcons podcast with Mark Schofield, I do want to plug the Peacock and Williamson show, former host of Locked On NFL, but now Brian and Matt are doing their own thing on Peacock and Williamson, still giving you all the big stories and headlines from around the NFL. So subscribe to Peacock and Williamson on your favorite podcast platform, including Apple podcasts, Spotify, or whatever you're listening to me right now. So, uh, Mark, you know, we, we talking about Justin Fields. He's making his, you know, 2020 debut this weekend against Nebraska. And I want to get your thoughts on sort of what he has to do. We've already kind of seen, you know, Trey Lance, his 2020 season is, is done. Um, at this point, he had basically a showcase game against Central Arkansas. Uh, you know, from my watching that game and other people's comments on the game, kind of an up and down performance. But I think given sort of in the vacuum, it's a one game sort of sample, hard to sort of swing wildly too far in any direction on his evaluation. It's just part of the conversation. Obviously, Trevor Lawrence has an ongoing ACC season. Everybody's expecting Clemson to be in the title game. He'll get another opportunity on probably the biggest stage to, you know, showcase his skills that he has done the last couple of seasons. But digging deeper on on Justin Fields, you know, former Georgia transfer, local guy to Atlanta. A lot of people in this area are very much attached to him and and liking his potential there. Um, Got the opportunity last year at Ohio State. Very productive, got that team, uh, in addition to all the other talent they have on their roster, uh, into the playoffs, losing to Trevor Lawrence uh, up in that game. And then they wound up having Trevor Lawrence do his thing and, and come back and, and guide that comeback. I'm curious, sort of, what are the, some of the things off of this one-year sample that Justin Fields has to produce on? Because I know in, in the past when I was evaluating quarterbacks, I was always scared about the one-year starters because you just don't have – like. When I'm evaluating quarterbacks, I want to see what things improved in your game in your second and third and fourth year. That's going to be indicative of where I'm going to project you in the NFL because those are things, oh, he improved on these areas. These are things that can continue to get better or he didn't improve and maybe he's not going to get better long term. So I'm curious, what are the things that you're looking to see when you sit down and watch Justin Fields this season that you want him to see improve in his game? 
Yeah, Aaron, I, I do think this question of improvement is the right question to be asking about Justin Fields because he does have a very good opportunity in front of him to show that development, to take that sort of leap forward, and to perhaps, like I said, get closer to Trey Lance, I mean, excuse me, to Trevor Lawrence and the sort of QB1 type discussion. Um, what's interesting when Matt Waldman and I did a video on Justin Fields, you know, Matt sort of titled the video breakdown that he's on the right path, but he needs more Saturdays. Because what Matt saw in his watch and what I saw when I was studying him and what we saw when we worked through him together was on many plays, you can see Justin Fields get to the right answer, whether it's the right read, the right throw, the right decision with the football. But sometimes it takes him a step longer. Sometimes it takes him that extra sort of second or a half second in the pocket, and he'll get to the right answer. But the problem is, quarterback, as you know, Aaron, it's not a take-home exam. It's a timed examination in the pocket, and you sometimes do run out of time if you take too long to get to that right answer. And there are a couple of examples of this in that semifinal game against Clemson where, yes, he's playing Brent Vettables, he's playing you know that defense and Isaiah Simmons and all the talent on Clemson's roster, but he's a half-step late and it's getting them into trouble or he's missing opportunities. And so what I want to see from him this year is not just get into the right answer, but get into the right answer quicker. So when he has those chances in the pocket to make a read against a rolled coverage or a spun safety look or something that you wasn't you would not expect in pre-snap, it changes on your post-snap, but you still get, not only make the right decision, but you get there quick enough to then exploit the opportunity in front of you. That's what you want to see. That's that sort of quarterback development where we sometimes say the game is slowing down for him. That's what I want to see from Justin Fields because it's hard to sort of do that make that development as an NFL quarterback, as a rookie. Sometimes you don't get the chances to do that, and sometimes the game doesn't, just never slows down for you. I think an example of that might be Jared Goff, where he's somebody that's still sort of very scheme-dependent, and when Sean McVay draws up some good stuff for him, he can execute for you. But if he's forced to adjust on the fly, like we saw in that Super Bowl against New England, it's sometimes a bit tougher for him. So that's what I want to see from Fields. I want to see the game little slow down for him a bit, get to those right answers quicker. And I think it's great that he has this opportunity now, this season that's about to kick off. I think it's tremendous because it'll give him a chance to do that. And if he does sort of make those strides, then yes, he will be not just at the conversation for perhaps QB2, but maybe. I'm not saying he will, but maybe in a conversation for QB1. I still think it's going to be Trevor Lawrence no matter what, but he will certainly be in a position to help himself if he takes those steps forward. Absolutely. And we, and we know in the, in the pre-draft process, you know, guys, you know, the, the pro days, the workouts, the interviews, all those sort of things can sort of shuffle the board. I mean, I remember, you know, not many people had Baker Mayfield as the number one pick in that 2018 draft class going into that, uh, what the senior bowl was sort of when he started getting the ball rolling for him. So, um, you know, it'll be interesting to sort of see if, if fields on field work can close the gap there. Uh, it'll be interesting to sort of see what we're looking at when we get to April uh, of next year. Um, continue on that point. You know, you're talking about sort of processing things quickly. And one of the things, you know, I have probably not, I'm certain I haven't watched as much as Justin Fields as you have, but one of the things that was one of the things I noticed watching him is, you know, he plays at Ohio State, really good offensive line. A lot of times, particularly, you know, going up against Big Ten competition, he has all day to throw. And so he doesn't he's not pressured to be able to make those and, and make those quick processing things. And we know that if he's going to wind up being a top three pick, he's probably going to an, a team that's not going to have a good offensive line. That's, right. that's not going to be able to pr protect him. And you're getting into a situation where 
you may have some issues where if he's a slow processor, um, relatively speaking, you know, that could create more problems for him at the next level, given that we know offensive line issues are very prevalent in the NFL, particularly for bad teams. No, that's exactly right. And, you know, it's something that we're seeing even from Joe Burrow, who was viewed as a good processor, who was in an offense at LSU that asked him to do a lot of stuff from empty formations where you don't you only have the five guys up front to protect you. You know, he's having some adjustments. You look at that interception he threw at the end of the game against Indianapolis. That was just a straight cover four situation. He's trying to throw the bend and vertical roll from right to left, and he never thinks to check that backside safety, and he stares it down. Even the good ones are going to face developmental curves, particularly when, like in Burrow's situation, you don't have a great offensive line. You're playing under pressure. And there are concerns about Burrow, you know, perhaps facing a David Carr scenario where David Carr was drafted early behind a bad Houston line, took so many sacks, and it never panned out for him. So that ability to process, diagnose, decipher, and decide quickly is critical for young quarterbacks, especially those, like you said, who find themselves behind tough offensive lines that don't do a great job of protecting you. And so that's why if Fields takes that step forward in terms of development and processing speed, it will certainly help him if he does get drafted then by a team that's going to struggle to protect him when he's a rookie. Absolutely. Now, um, I want to keep the conversation going, and we're going to focus a little bit on Matt Ryan and the Falcons and whether they need to go after one of these quarterbacks. I also want to pick your brain on sort of maybe the next tier of quarterbacks after the big three, given that the Falcons won a game on Sunday for the first time this year, giving people like myself a little bit of hope that maybe they won't be as bad as they look to be the first five weeks of the season and may not be in a position to get one of those big three quarterbacks at the top of the draft should they continue to win games. And we will continue that on today's Lockdown Falcons podcast. Look, guys, I don't know what changed for the Falcons this past week, which led to their win against Minnesota. But I know that for myself and many of you out there that we can make changes to our lives by putting things into our bodies that are better and healthier for us. And we don't necessarily have to sacrifice flavor and taste to do so. Thanks to the good folks at Built Bar. Built Bars are great tasting protein bars that are low in calories, Low in sugar, high in protein, high in fiber, perfect for keto diets. Anybody that's health conscious that doesn't want to sacrifice flavor. And Built Bar has unveiled six new flavors this summer. I've always been a big fan of their coconut almond and peanut butter flavors. All Built Bars have 100% real chocolate. So those two flavors in particular remind me of candy bars. But they have six new flavors that are just as good. Caramel brownies, cookies and cream. Cherry Barcia, Lemon Almond Cheesecake, Carrot Cake, Apple Almond Crisp. You can add those six new flavors to your rotation. All you have to do is head over to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get 20% off your next order. And don't worry, if you've already used that promo code, you can use it again. Again, that's promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Don't miss out on the all-new Built Bar. Now, I know talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. What is easy is you can just brush it off saying, I've lost my mojo, or you're avoiding that quality time with your loved one because you've just had too busy a day at work and you're just not really feeling it. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about with a real healthcare professional who can prescribe real medication. It's simple, safe, and totally discreet with Roman because you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, 
all from the comfort and privacy of your own home. A healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. And if medication is appropriate, Roman will ship to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. To get started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNFL and complete your online visit today. If approved, you'll get $15 off your first order of ED treatment. That's GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNFL. GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNFL. So I'm here with Mark Schofield of Touchdown Wire, the Sco Show. Uh, he talks Patriots for a living. Um, you know, he knows a thing or two about good quarterback play, uh, but uh, he's seen it. But, uh, you know, we're talking about this quarterback class. And as I mentioned earlier, you know, there's hope right now with the one in five Falcons team that they may not be picking as high. They got a couple of winnable games coming up. Maybe they'll manage to uh, beat one of your guys formerly in match Patricia this week against the Detroit lions. But uh, you know, sort of who's maybe that guy that's QB four, maybe, you know, if everybody's looking at these big three, we always know that somebody gets pushed up the board because it's like, you're not in a position to get one of those guys at the top of the draft. Maybe he sneaks up into round one. Maybe you're picking six in round one and you're not able to get the quarterback that you want. And now all of a sudden you have to get the top guy at the top of round two. Is there anybody that sort of stood out to you uh, so far this season or already had in your back pocket that you feel like is maybe in the mix for that QB four, QB five, whatever. Yeah, Aaron. And I think the first name you sort of look at is Kyle Trask down in Florida, who, you know, a lot of people thought, you know, he could maybe sort of put it together. And, you know, we have such recency bias in and around this game where, you know, after Dak Prescott was drafted in the fourth round, it was, oh, now we got to find the next Dak Prescott. After Joe Burrow had his rise last year, people were like, oh, who's the next Joe Burrow? Who's the next quarterback that's going to come from nowhere and fly up the board? And a lot of people mentioned that Kyle Trask could be that guy. And so far, he's played very well. You now, he's shown you the ability to sort of make a lot of throws from the pocket, under pressure, under duress. He's got a great tight end to throw to. Um, sometimes you'd like to see that when you're evaluating quarterbacks because maybe college offenses don't use the tight end a ton, but you can use, rely on the tight end a lot more, especially as a young quarterback in the NFL, somebody that you can throw to in third down situations, a matchup type player. And so I think Trask has played himself into the first round conversation. As a matter of fact, you mentioned the Patriots. I just saw a mock draft over at CBS that had them drafting Kyle Trask in the first round. And so he's certainly somebody that's got himself into the mix. Another player that I think is getting some buzz right now, and that's BYU Zach Wilson. Athletic, big arm, can throw on the move rather well. Um, I'm not as high on him as others, but I know like Mike Renner over at PFF and some others around, you know, the sort of draft game have looked at, you know, what Zach Wilson has done and said, this is somebody that's going to be in the first round mix. And so those two guys are probably the ones that have played so far that I think have the best shot at getting, you know, QB4, QB5 kind of status. KJ Costello, you know, down at Mississippi State, had a great game against LSU in that sort of season opener. He's fallen off the radar a bit, but as we've seen the league sort of warm up more to air raid type quarterbacks and Mike Leach type quarterbacks, he's somebody that maybe, I don't want to say round one, but maybe day two, day three, will catch a little bit of buzz. And then I think we're look, looking at this Big Ten season that's about to start. I think two quarterbacks to keep an eye on, Sean Clifford at Penn State, I think he's more your pro-style quarterback, but I think he will get some attention. And a real dark horse is Tanner Morgan of Minnesota. I've been 
sort of impressed by what he's done and what Minnesota has done over the past couple of years. I think he shows you that spread West Coast air raid type quarterback that more NFL teams are warming up to. Again, not saying he's somebody that could sort of leap into the first round, but maybe if Minnesota puts a good season together. So some those are Aaron, some of the guys I think that are in that sort of next tier. I'd say Kyle Trask is probably at the top of that, followed by Zach Wilson, but certainly some other guys to watch as this season continues. I wanted to ask you about uh, Jamie Newman because obviously he had Georgia connections, transferred yeah. from Wake Forest, opted out of the season. I'm curious, based off of what you saw from him, you know, now that he's not going to play this year, where do you sort of feel on his evaluation? Yeah, Aaron, in a sense, I'm a bit disappointed that he didn't get to play this year, that he did decide to opt out because I was excited to see the potential of him in that Georgia offense Um, because I do think he's somebody that's athletic, got a nice arm, throws well on the move. We do want athleticism now in quarterbacks. It's maybe a question of how much you need, but I do think that you have to have that mobility as a quarterback in the modern NFL, even if you're not an uber athlete like, say, Lamar Jackson, you still have to be able to move around and create with your feet, and that's something that Newman was certainly able to do at Georgia Tech, and I had aspirations of him doing it at a high level at Georgia. I mean, excuse me, Wake Forest. Um, I think that he could have played himself into the first-round conversation. Um, I'm not sure he would have leapt into that Lawrence Fields, Lance-type tier. Um, but he might have been right in that sort of Trask-Wilson type evaluation where if you're a team picking, say, mid to late first round and he'd had the kind of season people like myself were hoping for, that, yeah, you know, you could have taken him later in the first round with a scenario where you don't have to play him right away. You could let him learn a little bit. Um, so it's, in a sense, disappointing as somebody that covers the quarterback position or evaluates quarterbacks, and we won't get to see him this year. Um, but I do think that he's somebody that, if you're a team now that maybe doesn't need a quarterback right away, but might need one in the next year or two if you're a team that maybe isn't picked at the top of the first round. Um, so you can't get one of the top guys, but again, might need a quarterback in a year or two. Does that sound like anybody we're talking about here? <laughs> Jamie Newman might have, you know, be on your radar at the quarterback position. Well, Mark, I appreciate the, the great segue there. Um, and I was having this conversation with uh, uh, Dave Chode of the Falcoholic yesterday and talking about sort of how we've now reached a point in Matt Ryan's career, uh, given sort of the ups and downs he's experienced this year in particular in the coaching changes and the regime change, new GM, new head coach, uh, potentially coming in next year, that we've reached a point where every week is going to be a referendum on whether Matt Ryan is washed or not. And I know you might have some experience with that because I know people tried to declare Tom Brady's career to be dead for, I don't know, what, four or five years now going pretty much, you know, every loss. That, my friend, I mean, I remember like, you know, 2013. It's like, oh, this guy's done. That arm's a little fettuccine. So, yeah, I know those conversations well. All right. Well, you know, maybe you can give you some tips off air to how to to process that. Um, But, you know, we're at a point where the Falcons do certainly have to think about their future. And, you know, I think whether they're thinking so hard about their future, where they're looking at one of the big three that we're talking about earlier, uh, I think entirely depends on their draft position. But it does seem highly probable. You got Matt Schaub being a free agent, likely to retire. You got Kurt Bankert, who has, you know, been up and down, but quite hasn't been able to solidify that sort of backup number two spot. Everything seems to be, you know, pushing the Falcons and directing that they're going to take a quarterback at some point, whether it's in round one, two, three, four, whatever seems likely. And you've rattled off a ton of names, but I'm just curious from your perspective, you know, looking at Matt Ryan's performance so far this year in recent years, 
do you feel like this is a situation where the Falcons have to maybe feel like it's an Eli Manning, Philip Rivers type of conversation where it's like, we, we do need to turn the page sooner rather than later. Or do you feel like this is a Tom Brady, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo sort of situation where it's like, let's see if we can ride this out for another two or three years and, and, and sort of, uh, um, you know, see what's going on then. I'm just curious from your perspective. Yeah, and I, I do think it's more the latter. I think it's more the Brady Garoppolo than the Madden Rivers. We have to turn the page right now. What's always interesting to me, and I've had this discussion before, and I've written about it a little bit. You know, I'm always of the mind that teams should be thinking about the quarterback room every single draft class, right? Whether it's, you know, just trying to upgrade, you know, at the backup spot, whether it's taking a developmental flyer on a guy, even if it's late day three. Then you look at Atlanta's draft history since drafting Matt Ryan in the first round of 2008. They've taken one quarterback in that entire stretch, Sean Renfrey in like 2013 in the seventh round. You know, so it's a different sort of approach to the quarterback position rather than handling it the way I would. And again, look, I'm just a chucklehead with a microphone in front of me. But rather than handling it that way, you know, they've gone in a different direction. You know, one developmental guy, then relying on free agent backups, uh, particularly Matt Shaw. So I'm always of the mind that you should look to address quarterback because, as Bill Belichick once said, when they drafted Jimmy Garoppolo, you'd rather be a year ahead than a year late trying to piece it together. You know, sometimes if you're a year late trying to piece it together, you miss out. Um, so I, I certainly think that you don't need to rush to the top of the board and find somebody, you know, Trey Lance or Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields to immediately flip the script off of Matt Ryan. But I do think that sometime maybe day two, now, if you get one of these guys that we've talked about a chance to draft them, you draft them and give them a chance to sort of learn and develop, take sort of the, the Drew Locke model rather than trying to force a, a pick in the first round. And I think when you watch Matt Ryan, has it been a great year in Atlanta so far? No. You see what just happened against Minnesota. He could still be a good quarterback in the National Football League. You might not get another 2016 season out of him, but you can still put talent around him and win games with him. And so I don't think you need to force a pick. I don't think you need to rush to the top of the board to get a guy. I don't think you need to tank for Trevor or something like that. I think you can make another run around Matt Ryan, you know, and but still bear in mind that you might need to look ahead and you need to start thinking about a post-Matt Ryan world. Yeah. You know, it's, it's one of the things where the situation is like if you go with a young quarterback, you got to build around them. And the conversation, at least among Falcon fans for many, many years and, and media types, uh, is maybe the Falcons haven't done the best job of building around Matt Ryan. And you're you're basically in the same position. It's just the difference of we're paying this guy $30 million, we're paying this guy $2 million. That's really right. the, the the real, you know, gist of the conversation right there is would you, do you feel like you can build a better team around that quarterback if you are saving those $20 million? And the reality is the Falcons' contract situation with Matt Ryan is – they're not anywhere close where they can get out of that contract uh, to the point where they can save that money. So it is one of those things where they kind of have to punt it at least for a year. That's just what it comes down to, right? If the money doesn't work out, you might be forced to ride this situation out and then hope that if you do draft a developmental guy day two, early day three, that you get that evaluation right. You know, that's going to be, I think, if you're Arthur Blank, you know, when you look at a new general manager hire, when you look at a potential head coach and hire, you might want to think about a, a, a record of quarterback development at some level, whether it's a general manager who has done a good job at identifying quarterbacks, 
whether it's a, a head coach who's an offensive-minded head coach who has a bit of a track record at perhaps developing quarterbacks, whether it's, say, a Greg Roman, you know, and somebody that has obviously done what he's done with Lamar Jackson, or even Eric Bieniemy and what he's done with Patrick Mahomes. Now, look, Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes, but, you know, you want that sort of record because if you're going to have to rely on a developmental guy, a more day two type of pick, you want somebody that's shown you in the past that they can get it right because if you don't, then you've really set yourself back a couple of years now in terms of getting this franchise where you want to be. Absolutely. Mark, I appreciate you joining me talking quarterbacks. I'm sure we will have many conversations in the future about this very subject, potentially right here on Locked on Falcons. But if people want to get your thoughts on other topics that you're writing or podcasting about, where can they hit you up on Twitter? Where can they find the SCO show? What are you got coming up for them at Touchdown Wire and anywhere else you got to plug? Well, Aaron, thanks so much for having me on, man. It's, it's always a blast. We get to catch up. Again, we have to do this more than like, you know, once every two years, my friend. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm still stunned that it's been that long. Um, at Mark Schofield on the Twitter, um, you know, like you said, USA Today's Touch on Wire, a couple of different SB Nation websites, the SCO Show podcast over at Pat's Pulpit, um, over at Touch on Wire, doing a ton of stuff all the time. We just did a video breakdown of Atlanta's 065 sub defense, which I thought was kind of cool. Um, found a way to get Isaiah Simmons on the field, which is also kind of cool because we haven't seen too much of that this year. So that was interesting. But easiest way is on Twitter, at Mark Schoolfield. Aaron, just a blast to be with you as always. All right, Mark, I'm looking forward to it. We'll, we'll, do, we'll definitely you know do it sooner than two years from now. Definitely. Sounds good, my friend. All right, man. We'll do it again. All right. Have a good day. You too. All right, guys. Mark Schofield. Uh, appreciate his insights on the quarterback class and probably won't be the, the last appearance in Mark Schofield and podcast as we, you know, sort of uh, look ahead to what the Falcons will do this offseason at that position. Um, and, you know, you have something to keep an eye on for Justin Fields, because I, I know he's sort of the guy that a lot of people have their eyes on. And, you know, when we're having this conversation about the quarterback situation, you know, I don't think the Falcons are going to have the number one picks. So I don't think they're going to get Trevor Lawrence. So to me, the whole tank for Trevor conversation has always been a little bit inflated. Um, you know, it's a interesting hypothetical. Yeah, if the Falcons got the number one pick, you know, would they pull the trigger on Trevor Lawrence? Yeah, I think the answer is yes, but they're not going to get the number one pick, not in the same universe where the New York Jets exist. So it's one of those things where, you know, we're talking about can they get the number two pick? And then do they pull the trigger on someone like a Justin Fields or Trey Lance? That to me is really that conversation uh, at this point in time. But again, as I said, Falcons gave us a little hope on Monday that, or Sunday that, you know, maybe they won't automatically be front runners for that number two pick, but we'll just sort of have to see how that shakes out. And uh, you got several names to think about when you're sitting down on Saturdays. You're like, Hey, maybe I should check out this Minnesota Purdue game because of this Tanner Morgan guy that this Mark Schofield guy was talking about. And that gives me a reason to uh, watch or something along those lines. So there you guys have it. Appreciate you uh, tuning in. We will be back tomorrow with a crossover Thursday. We'll be talking with um, Matt Derry of uh, Locked On Lions. And if you guys have any questions, and uh, you can send them in to me on Twitter at Locked On Falcons, via Facebook at Locked On Falcons, or send an email to lockedonfalcons at mail.com. Go vote, guys. Until then. <laughs>